Hello guys, let's get cracking with this week's NTT20 betting show. It is the sound of the start of your weekend. And we've got a big smile on our face after what felt like one of our best weekends of the season. It was an NTT20 stag party with the double nap Mansfield. Always good to get one of them up. Um, your Swindon double chance punt came in. 2-0 up at half time. You thought you were cruising. Yeah, I mean, that is the best way that, for me as an Oxford fan, how that bet could have won. Both <laughs> Swindon squandering a two-goal lead, dropping the points, but also the bet being a winner. I think your best bet of the season was probably when you napped up Wickham. I'm not sure they'd actually won before that point, and then they got the win at quite a nice price. But maybe second, QPR Derby under 1.5 at 9-4. to That was a really nice winner indeed. 1-0 to Derby that game. No luck you had with uh, Wigan minus one. I had no luck as well with Stoke Watford BTTS. No. Peterborough, well, they did win, didn't they, against Ipswich. But I was, I was punished for my greed, and rightly so. Uh, and let that be a lesson. I'm sure, I'm sure that I will repeat it at some point. But uh, Peterborough and over 1.5, just not a winner. Just simply not a winner. Um, but thankfully, I had a smile on my face all weekend after Brandon Thomas Asante scored. 4 to 1 for Salford on Friday night. That was very welcome. Um, and Dale Fry, yeah, I mean, this was horrible, really, because um, Dale Fry almost had his eye taken out, didn't he, by Jared Branthwaite as he got his head on the end of a set piece while we were on at 75 to 1. So very, very concerned for Fry. Uh, and then very disappointed from a punting perspective that Middlesbrough had six corners in that game at 0 0. Big Dale was only there for one of them. Uh, a good week, and we hope to go again this week. Uh, before we start, just a reminder that. This betting show is sponsored by Five Yards. Uh, Five Yards is a game that George and I uh, are involved with. We are ambassadors for and we've helped launch it. We've helped set it up. And it is, what, two months into existence, George? And basically going about as well as we could possibly have hoped. People really taking to it and enjoying what it's all about. Yeah, and, and so they should because it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, we love being a part of it. Uh, it is, there's some buzz, I must say. You know, we're on a couple of the internal Slack channels and stuff. And when we get sent a list of, you know, the action that's happened on the transfer windows and you see that list growing every week and we see how many new players there are playing the game. Yeah, it is. There is some buzz to it. And and I think the key, I mean, obviously this is the betting show. So the majority of people who are listening will like to invest money in, in into football. And if you want to do that, then, and you haven't signed up to five yards, I really would recommend doing so. Just have a little play around. The, the way it's set up is very, you know, you don't have to invest very much. You can, you can, if you, there's a player that you want to get involved with and you can buy 1%, which could, you know, cost as little as a, as a couple of quid. So um, have a look into it because that's exciting. But also I, I personally would love to see our listeners getting involved in the scouting side of things because um, that is a part of the web of the, of the game, a part of the of five yards that I think in a year's time could be really, really massive. And I'd love to see, because, you know, we are lucky to have listeners from all 72 clubs in the EFL whose depth of knowledge into the players that they have in their squad far outweighs anything that we know about them, having watched them every week. And it would be great just to get some scout reports up on the players. So ha have a look on five yards, sign up, search... And so choose the players you want to get up there if they're not there already. And if you request them on five yards, we, you know, there's no guarantee that they'll go up, but Ali and I will do our very best to make sure that they do. So let us know if you request anyone. And we'd love to see some scout reports up there. It's a really cool tool that you can, you know, for me, for example, Rob Atkinson's a player at Oxford that I love. It's great that I can write a scout report and share it with people and show people why I think he's so good. And if you let us know which scout reports you've, shared, you've written as well, we'll endeavour to do our best to share them. So please do get involved, guys. Um, I think, and if 
you know, if you have got involved and you've looked at it and there's anything you don't like, then please do feedback to us as well because, yeah, it's an exciting project and we're, we're really happy to be part of it. Um, Luke Jeffcott going up this week at 9 million. So um, have a look around five yards, see if you enjoy it, sign up, please do get involved. Let us know if you have any questions. We will, as we have done in the last few weeks, stick uh, a snippet from the weekly show that we do, Five Yards Five, uh, at the end of this betting show. So... Following on from the stag party, George, hopefully not a hangover this weekend. What I would like to know is what your nap is in the EFL across its docket. And what a docket it is too. What's your best bet? It's Doncaster to beat Lincoln. Straight up win, 14 to 5. Um, you and I recorded the Totally Football League show extra time this morning. And this is one of the games that we previewed, which makes my um, prep work a little bit easier. But that show is sponsored by Paddy Power and, and we talk through the Paddy Power odds when we do the match previews. And I hadn't seen the prices before I went on to do that. And if you listen to it back, you can probably hear my sharp intake of breath as I see the Donny price because it doesn't really compute to, to what I think about where either side are at the moment. Now, Lincoln are quite clearly, you know, they're top of the league. They're quite clearly playing very well and getting the results to justify them being there. And I'm by no means sitting here and telling you that they don't deserve to be there or that they're not going to finish there because I have a lot of respect for Michael Appleton, as anybody who's heard me speak more than three words will know. Um, but there are some concerns in terms of the last few games. You know, the, the Pompey game, not to take anything away from Lincoln at all, but I think in terms of you know, form, we can pretty much draw a line through it because Jack Watmore was sent off early early on, well, halfway through the first half. So Lincoln beat a 10-man Pompey side, which is still a good result. But at the same time, if that's going that shouldn't necessitate any kind of a price shortening for their next game, in my opinion. The game before that, their last game at the LNER, was against Northampton. And they huffed and puffed until they got ahead 1-0. And then even at 2-0, you know, they... Danny Rose ended up scoring a, a brilliant bicycle kick, but just before that, they nearly conceded as well. I mean, they, they it wasn't a particularly convincing win. Obviously, they beat Accrington 4-0 before that, which was great. They, they didn't put a 10-man posh side to the sword, having missed a penalty as well prior. So whilst they've won three of the last four games and are unbeaten in, in however, however many in the league, and it's impressive, it wouldn't massively surprise me to see that form um, come to an end fairly soon. And they come up this weekend against a side who I consider to be as difficult a game as you could really get at the moment. Doncaster have won eight of their last 10 games. Um, as I mentioned on the Totally Football League show, uh, Ben Whiteman's departure doesn't really seem to have caused much of an issue. The players that they brought in, I mean, Taylor Richards playing just in front of, of Reese James and Matt Smith, looking like a really nice little trio in the middle of the park there. And they will miss Whiteman, but that's not to say there aren't other players coming through. Madra Gomez, another one who looks set to come back into the squad this weekend. And they're, they're just a side who, under Darren Moore, are developing quickly as, as a unit and as players and are performing at a very high standard for League One. Interestingly, literally, as we've been recording, Paul Goodwin tweeted uh, and tagged us both in it, saying Matt Smith, Tyler Richards, Tyrese John Jules, Eri Balkan, Elliot Smurse, Josh Sims, who's just returned Josh Sims this week. Is there another club in the country currently making better use of the loan market than Doncaster? And no, the answer is probably not. They are getting in good level players who whose technical ability will take them much further than where they are at the moment. And they're being moulded into a really good attacking unit by Darren Moore. This is 
a really awkward game for Lincoln. And given where they are on the table at the moment, I think if you said to Michael Appleton now, playing against his old mate Darren Moore as well from, from West Brom, um, if you say now, would you take a point? I think he'd probably say, do you know what? Yeah, let's shake hands and move on. Not very often can you say that about an even money favourite. Um, the reason I'm going just straight up win and not my usual draw no bet is that to be right here, I feel like you've got to be correct that Lincoln's performance level isn't as high as their results. And therefore, I think we just got to maximise that by by taking whatever we can. Because I do think there's a chance that if, you know, as we saw with Sunderland at Lincoln with a 4-0 win, I think there's a chance that Doncaster could be quite comfortably the better side here and, and really put them to the sword. I wouldn't really put you off having a minus one bet as well. Um, and I will get the price up for you right now for that. But yeah, so Donny, the nap at 14-5, to five, I think this is a really good opportunity to have a have a decent bet at a decent price. Donny minus one is 15 to two as well. So did you check your Twitter mentions while you were talking us through your nap? No, it came through 22 minutes ago. So just when we started recording, I think. Right, okay. Well, I replied to Paul while you were talking saying, yeah, uh, right. saying, yeah, Donny, Lincoln, Swans, probably top three. So there you go. A lot of good loanees on offer this weekend. He, uh, he's just retweeted it. In Lincoln against Doncaster. Oh, that's a nice touch. Always nice to be retweeted by a blue tick as well. Not having one myself, obviously, as the man of the people out of the two of us. Um, <laughs> to be fair, I did get slightly sidetracked because when I went on Twitter while you were talking, I saw that Margot Robbie was trending and that's uh, that's always going to distract me for a few minutes. But I've absolutely no doubt, George, that your nap was uh, was very well backed up. I didn't hear a word of it, sorry. Um, <laughs> my nap is, is Norwich at 1.9 to beat Middlesbrough this weekend. Uh, Norwich, obviously, are league leaders in the championship, uh, a team that... I've just seen are actually shortening as we do this. Um, best price 1.88 with Unibet, but mostly 1.8. Anyway, I think that Norwich will win against Borough this weekend. That's my best bet of the weekend. For, for Middlesbrough, it's just a really concerning, um, what, 120 minutes of football? Uh, good in the first hour against Blackburn on the weekend. And then the last half hour, a real drop-off uh, in performance as Blackburn turned the screw and got the win. Uh, Blackburn substitutes making a big impact and Middlesbrough probably finding their squad and the injuries that they've got starting to bite a little bit. And they certainly, you know, that carried on into midweek, didn't it? Just blitzed by Rotherham 3-0. Um, a a scoreline, a result they can have no argument with. And I don't know, it's it's... With Warnock, you're always a little concerned to bet against him, aren't you? Like his response, yeah. his response to this was was like, "Well, we're missing Dale Fry and we're missing Dyke Steele, and these are huge players to miss at the back, and we're missing Marcus Tavernier, who's a bit of a spark for them in the final third." And he's given it the old like, "I can't fault my lads. I cannot fault them for their effort." And I, I mean, like. That's a nice thing to say. He's doing brilliant man management, but I sort of it's made me a little concerned for their immediate future because Fry and Dykstil and Tavernier, as far as I can tell, reading the local news today, are all going to be out for this game as well. What I'm saying is, I I don't think that they are in the best nick. Even the players they do have at their disposal, and I look, I think Dykstil missing and Spence in at right back from a defensive standpoint is a very ugly head to head for for Middlesbrough. A big big drop off. I don't think they've got necessarily the legs or the energy at the moment the concentration I suppose that you need to keep Norwich out for 90 minutes Norwich are going to have the amount of the ball that they want 
and Borough are going to be quite happy to wait to spring on the counter. I think it could be a 65, 70% possession game for Norwich. And look, they're in pretty good nick. Cruel is back in nets, which is great. Gibson and Hanley in front of him are back. And a, a brilliant combination all season they've been when they've been fit. Their last bit of league action was that just unbelievably comfortable win against Bristol City. The sort of win that, that no one really, other than Norwich, has been recording in the championship this season. Of course, the big red flag here is Hugel's injury and question marks about Timu Puki's fitness. Puki hasn't played since the 2nd of January. Um, he's had a side strain. Now, George, I'm not a doctor, but side strain... What do we reckon? Four weeks? I'm thinking, Timu, mate, you're not you're not a fast bowler. You're not Steve Harmison. Like, you know, I'm sure you can be back fit for this game. Um, you guys know my views on, on Timu. I've spoken about him a bit on this show in the last few weeks. Uh, I think from here till the end of the season, if he's fit and if he plays every game, I think he'll score the most goals in the league not end up as top scorer necessarily and bridge the gap, but but more goals than those other guys at the top of the table. But I also think Norwich can win without him and without Hugo. Um I'm I'm just I, I'm I'm a bit worried that this is a terrible time for Borough to be travelling to Norwich. Uh, and Norwich having played uh, a, a rotated team um in the FA Cup last week and not having played in midweek, I think they're in good position. So Norwich are my nap this weekend. Uh, next best for you? Next best for me is in League Two. And it is in a clash that I am calling, Ali, yeah. a relegation clash, even though it's between 14th and 17th, because that is the nature of League Two. Renegade. It's Colchester against Scunthorpe. And I am siding with Scunthorpe, draw no bet, and even money. And the reason, I mean, it's it's a nice timing, this, because there is evidence now that Scunthorpe have improved. You know, they went on that decent run earlier in the season, and I was very quick to point out that the evidence supporting that run didn't really stack up. It looked like a kind of a fairly lucky run of, of wins. And, you know, that transpired to follow um, with a poorer run, which kept them down towards the bottom. The, the wins against Grimsby and Port Vale were, were very comfortable. You know, they were two victories where they were just the better side and able to basically ease past weaker opposition. Now, against Grimsby, that's not much to write home about. Against Port Vale at the moment, it's not really either. But I think they're playing against a side in... in Colchester that are in that same bracket, probably worse in Port Vale, but pretty close to Grimsby standard because Colchester are abysmal at the moment. They are so poor. And, you know, I think Colchester fans wouldn't really entertain the idea that they're in a relegation fight, but I definitely think they are. They're on 31 points. They need to somehow pick up another, what, 10 points between now and the end of the season? I can't really see where they're going from <laughs> at the rate they are at the moment. Maybe, you know, that's maybe a bit harsh, but they've got to get You've got to average better than relegation form in order to stay out of it. You look at the recent performances, totally abject. They've scored one goal in their last five. That came at home to Cambridge on a day where basically the ball wasn't rolling because it was snowing so much. They were poor against Stevenage last time out. Um, you know, the, the fact is with Colchester is that they've got the players to be way, way better than this. There's no denying that. You look at this, the side they've got out at the moment and it's fairly similar to the one we saw get into the playoffs last season. Um, the front four of Brown, Poku, Senior and Harriet should be good. Cohen Brammel's a left back that I like a lot. But for whatever reason, at the moment, it is not clicking. And I think Colchester are not the likely winners of this game. I don't think they are um, the rightful favourites. And as such, I'm getting on side with Scunny to really put the cat amongst the pigeons for Colchester. And I wonder if it could be, if that does happen and if I'm right, it could be another managerial casualty in League Two. I wonder. Ooh, 
iron in the fire for George there, picking Scunthorpe United. My next best is Bristol Rovers uh, to beat Rochdale. They're 2.15 uh, in League One this weekend at the Mem. And it's one of those where Bristol Rovers are not great. I'm not particularly in love with Bristol Rovers. They haven't won in their last four and three of them have been defeats. This is mostly about Rochdale. For, for Rovers, I'm encouraged by that point they got a posh in, in the week. Um, in those defeats previously, Tisdale had been getting pretty funky with the formation and the personnel, like Maxima at right wing back, for example. But but if you look at their team from midweek, it, it's made a bit more sense now. New signing George Williams at right wing back makes more sense. Aimer back into the centre of defence. Nicholson back in up top with Hanlon. They're quite an unusual front two, Hanlon and Nicholson. I'm not sure if it's ideal or optimal, to be honest, but there have been a few games, even under Tisdale, where both of them have played well. In fact, most of their wins, I think it's been Nicholson and Hanlon thriving. So the reason I think they can thrive, the reason I think they'll win this weekend is because, George, outside of this betting show, on our on our normal shows, right, where we don't have our punting hat on, I'm all over the Rochdale story, yeah? Mm-hmm. 50, yeah. 53 goals total in their last 11 games. You know, last-minute goals for and against every single every single fixture. It's a classic EFL storyline hitting the mainstream. Gets a little BBC Sport article like, "Oh, there's a team in League One. They score a load of goals and they concede a load of goals. Isn't this fun? Oh, look, the manager says he doesn't mind it. He quite likes it. Actually, that's what he wants." It's basically our coverage of Rochdale for the last two weeks. I yeah. don't know who you're taking taking the piss out of. Because Ali with his betting hat on hates Ali with his not betting hat on. He thinks he's needy. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, and they lost their two best attacking players in the summer. What a strange state of affairs this is. And they've got a, <laughs> and they've got a 17 year old kid making defenders look stupid and scoring rockets from the edge of the box. That's all great. I'm I love that. I love it. On this show, I look at it quite differently. And I very much see Rochdale as a very bad football team still who have this like quite confusing bit of a smokescreen thing going on, which I would say is a team that are on a hot streak in terms of finishing, but who have no idea how to defend. So last 11 games, I've gone back through the Y Scout numbers. Um, this 26 goals for George has been scored from 11.8 expected goals. Um, that's pretty big overperformance. That not ultimately a ton created in eleven games. That eleven point eight eight, although not disastrous. Twenty seven goals conceded from twenty three point six. So maybe a couple more than expected, but you can start to see that they are basically letting the opposition have twice as many uh, chances as they are. So. Look, an attack that's built on pure vibes is unbelievably good fun. I'm absolutely loving it. For me, it's not sustainable, and I'm looking to get against them at the moment. So the fact that it's Bristol Rovers who they're playing this weekend, it's it's more about Dale than it is about Bristol Rovers. But I think if Rovers are, are slightly more settled than they have been in the last few games, then they should, as I say, against a team who I really genuinely don't think knows how to stop the opposition and who is just on a bit of a hot streak. Um, I'm looking to get with Bristol Rovers at 2.15 as my next best. Uh, next, next best for you? Next, next best is in the championship. And I just can't really work out why Barnsley are 9-4 to four at Forest. I feel like I've fallen asleep and missed Chris Hewton's Nottingham Forest revival because Forest being 6-4 to four for this game suggests to me that they have turned into a bona fide top half team. That is not the case at all. I mean, I, I can't work out where the 
movement here is coming from the XG suggests they're a mid-table side in the last eight games. I think that's probably about fair. They're coming up against the Barnsley side who have proven over the course of the season to be at worst a mid-table side, I would say. You look at Barnsley's away form, it isn't great, but look at the four teams that they've beaten. They beat Derby, who were one of the poorer who were one of the poorer teams in the division when they played. They beat Birmingham, a bottom half side, they beat Sheffield Wednesday, and they beat Rotherham. So they've shown consistently on the road that coming up against weaker sides than themselves, they are perfectly capable of beating them. Forest's home wins have come against sides who, again, are amongst the poorest in the league and are, and are worse than um, and are worse than Barnsley. Millwall, Sheffield Wednesday, again, the key ones here, and come unstuck against the better sides, last time losing 2-1 to Borough, which is one result in the middle of a really poor run. I can't work out at all how Forest 6-4. I really can't. Um, Barnsley are going to make this incredibly difficult for them, like they do for everybody. Forest haven't developed the Chris Hewton knack of keeping clean sheets yet. They still look fairly toothless going forwards. And, you know, especially some recent results have been courtesy of long range strikes, which is always unsustainable. Um, Sammy Amiobi whacking it in from miles out. I um, I can't work this out. I, I, I feel like I'm missing something quite obvious. But, you know, I even texted you this, after, this morning being like, did, did Forrest get good without me noticing? And you didn't reply. So I assumed it was... And no. no, I did um, reply, but you refused to actually concentrate on me and what I'm saying at any given time. What did you say? I said, yes, they got a bit better at not losing. Right. Well, I think Barnsley are a cracking price of nine to four to end that run. <laughs> well, I think if you ask me a question, you should wait and see if I actually answer it rather than yeah, just assume no. that I haven't. Anyway, let's crack on with this. Uh, I just wanted to remind you guys, uh, if you listen to the Monday pod, we've got quite a nice, I think anyway, competition running at the moment. Runs out Friday at 11.59pm. Um, and the competition is is in association with the Skybet EFL Rewards app that sponsor the Monday pod. And all you have to do is retweet our pinned tweet, follow us and Skybet EFL Reward Twitter account uh, and download the app and sign up. And you'll have a chance of winning this bundle. It's a signed shirt from your club, a copy of Football Manager 21, a mitre EFL match ball and a match streaming pass so you can watch your team on iFollow for free at some point. I mean, 212 retweets at the moment, George. So only 200 odd entrants to this competition. I'm sure because people refuse to read instructions that some of them will be ineligible uh, due to not following the right accounts or not having downloaded the app. Mm. So, you know, there's a pretty solid chance of you winning what I think is quite a tasty bundle. So head to our pin tweet uh, if you want to get involved with that. Um, my next best is actually a kind of advanced bonus, uh, if you will, uh, is Crawley to beat Cambridge and BTTS. This is just quite a classic, possibly an overreaction. I'm only going to throw half a point at it, but possibly an overreaction to the news this week that Cambridge, having sold one of their three senior centre-backs, Harry Darling, to MK Dons, then had one of their other three senior centre-backs, Robbie Cundy, recalled by Bristol City and then sent immediately to Gillingham, uh, where he started in midweek and and starred in a 4-1 win. So what that means is Greg Taylor uh, is Cambridge's only senior centre-back. Those three had played... 100% 100% of the minutes between them uh, this season in the two centre-back slots. So they come up against a Crawley side this weekend and you love John Jens' Crawley as much as I do, George. We love watching Gimsy. them We love watching them attack and we think that they are, as League Two sides go, pretty lively when it comes to their attacking interchange, the speed with which they pass and move uh, and the amount of, uh, of goal threats that they have on the pitch. So to me, it feels 
maybe a bit simple, but it feels like Cambridge are, uh, are going to be slightly up against it. Um, either either moving Digby um, back from midfield into the heart of defence or giving their youngster on loan from Spurs, Okadina, his debut. Could be amazing, could be terrible. Their performance data is very poor recently, Cambridge. A lot of you guys will know that already. So, you know, Crawley played on Tuesday against Bournemouth. Cambridge's game was postponed. So like any EFL bet, you can find a red flag. But Cambridge hadn't kept a clean sheet in 15 before that nil-nil against Bradford last weekend, uh, where they had a full complement of centre-backs. Uh, BTTS in 69 of their home games and 67, sorry, 69% of their home games. Uh, and 67% of Crawley away games. So Crawley and BTTS this weekend against Cambridge at 5-1 to one, uh, is my next one I'm going to talk you through. Uh, any bonus for us? Yeah, probably the quickest tip in the history of the betting show. Cardiff against Millwall. Two set-piece sides whose attacking threat is basically only from dead ball situations, but also are quite good at defending them. I think this is going to be a pretty boring game between a Mick McCarthy side and a Gary Rowett side, and I think it might finish nil-nil, so no goal scorer, 7-1. to one. Okay, and two quick bonus picks from me to finish off. I'm going back in on Brandon Thomas Asante. He's 4-1 to one again to score against Oldham. I mean, he scored last weekend when he was 4-1. to one. He came off the bench. I'm sure he gets a start this weekend, surely against Oldham uh, after that cameo. And it's exactly the same reasoning. Like, Thomas Asante's shot volume is very, very high. When he's on the pitch, he takes a lot of shots. Uh, and before last weekend, he hadn't scored yet in the league. Even now, obviously, it's one goal uh, from 5.6 expected. Uh, he's started... 13 games in the league and in six of them he's had four shots or more so certainly if Thomas Asante starts I'm going to be all over this Oldham have only kept one clean sheet in 25 and to my eyes even if he might be nowhere near Salford's top goal scorer when he's on the pitch he's maybe their first or second goal uh, biggest goal threat so Thomas Asante 4-1 to one. and then my centre-backs plural this weekend um Kean Bolger and Fraser Horsfall, both of Northampton Town. It's very hard to choose one, so I'm going to back both of them uh, each way uh, with Betfair. Bolger is 33 to one. Fraser Horsfall is 55 to one. Uh, you get a third of the odds any time uh, if you back it each way. Obviously, with twice the stake, and they're playing against Wigan. Wigan are really struggling at the moment. Um, gave them big ups on the Monday show for basically being able to hold everything together despite the fact that their squad is continuing to be picked off and decimated. They've got an interim manager in charge. The schedule is, is as bad as it's ever been and everything is going against them, basically. Um, they are drawn four out of five and I thought that was very impressive. And then they got absolutely thrashed, didn't they, in midweek against Blackpool. Once Blackpool took the lead from a set piece, from a corner, Ekpeteta, um, the floodgates opened, it was 5-0 and by the end it was it was a pretty tough watch, if I'm honest. Um the last few goals that Blackpool scored. So I'm sure Wigan will be will be you know will be reconvened, will be at, will be bang bang up for it, but I just worry that for them they're not going to be able to handle the size of Bolger and Horsfall. Northampton obviously not a huge threat from open play. I think they've got 10 uh, or maybe 12 goals from open play overall. Big threat from set piece though, uh, set pieces. They they don't give up any opportunities to chuck it into the box. Bolger and Horsfall, um, they're both in the top 10 for most shots from League One centre-backs this season. Now, I also, just to add an extra layer of, uh, of um, research on this, I noticed that in that game against Blackpool, Wigan had two new centre-backs, Corey Whelan and George Johnston. They've signed both of them recently um, because they really are bare bones and they are, I'm afraid to say it, very much like bargain basement bucket 
players because that's all they can afford at the moment. I fired up Football Manager, George, to see how tall these guys were. Just, uh, you know, always good to have all the information. And I think I consider Football Manager to be the most trustworthy source for player height out there. George Johnston, 5'11". Corey Whelan, 6'1". Now, Kean Bolger is 6'4", and Fraser Horsfall is 6'3". So we've got the height, we've got the size advantage, um, and I, I'm just really excited about this. Uh, Bolger and Horsfall, 33-1 to 1 and 55-1. to 1. I'm going to back both of them. So that's up to you. If, if you want to pick one, then go for it. Bolger has had more shots in total, but Horsfall's got a higher XG number, so that suggests greater opportunities when he gets on the end of one. Uh, I'm going to get greedy and take both and uh, hope to get one of these centre-backs up this weekend. So, George, ahead of this EFL slate, talk me through your bets. Yeah, my nap is uh, Doncaster to beat Lincoln. Next best, Scunny draw no bet at Colchester. Uh, after that, we've got Barnsley at... <laughs> always hard to remember. Uh, Barnsley at Forest, and then my bonus is no goal scorer in Cardiff against Millwall. Most people would write them down and then they could just refer to it. No, I like to keep make, make sure my mind is still working. <laughs> just about, just about. Not for long, though. Um, uh, <laughs> sorry, that was actually wow. quite That was quite dark, wasn't it? Yeah. It was quite threatening. Uh, Turn 30, you know, you're over the hill. I think you're going to live a long and relatively fruitful life. Um, wow. My nap this weekend is Norwich to beat Middlesbrough. Uh, next best, Bristol Rovers to beat Rochdale. And then I've got a few longer-priced darts, Crawley and BTTS against Cambridge at 5-1. to one. Uh, Thomas Asante to score any time for Salford against Oldham. And Kian Bolger and Fraser Horsfall, um, getting greedy there. I'm going to back both of them, first goal scorer, at 33-1 to one and 55-1 to one, uh, each way, uh, just in case things get a little out of hand for Wigan, which they have done in recent weeks from set plays, Burton had a lot of joy against them as well, which I forgot to mention in my breakdown. Uh, as for now, guys, we're going to leave you with a little snippet from the 5Y5. In this segment, we are talking about two of the brightest young EFL players who both play for the same team, Hull City. So here's what we chatted about uh, when it came to Keen Lewis Potter and Jacob Greaves in five yards terms this week on the five yards five which you can find on the five yards youtube channel if you want to watch the whole thing and see how we look when we do it some terrible haircuts at the moment uh, enjoy this five yards five and have a great weekend guys tweet us at ntt20 pod with any thoughts queries problems here's the five y five you you sent me out to go and scout keen lewis potter um who is a wide player at hull who's 19 years of age who to be honest it wasn't too hard a job because he's a player that you and i have taken a great interest in over the last year or so uh for our work with not the top 20 and for those people watching this or listening to this who aren't as au fait with five yards as others there are two things I should say. First of all, you'd have heard Ali talking about PP. That's performance pay. And that is how, in effect, players are valued and how you make, make money in five yards. And you get performance pay for goals, for assists and for playing in wins. So you've heard Ali there talking about Phil Foden. Understandably, not many players are going to get more PP than a goal-scoring wide player at Man City who's going to play for England for the next 10 years. Keenless Potter is not going to get you any PP in the moment because of the competition he's playing in. He's obviously in League One. So this is more of a long-term hold and he's there up on the game. He's there to buy for 15 million, which probably seems quite high for a player who isn't going to pay you anything, at least to start with. The second part that I should say is 
in terms of the scouting side, if you're listening to this and you love this kind of stuff, you're really into um, scouting and player development, but you're not really too fussed about putting money in or playing the game in that way, you can sign up to Five Yards and write scout reports, which you can then show and share to other people and other people will start following you as a scout. And part of the scout report is rating a player's attributes. And in doing so, it will come up with a radar showing you, as we've all seen on social media, all the different strengths and weaknesses of a player. For Keen Lewis Potter, that radar is pretty much a circle because there is pretty much nothing that the boy can't do. He's a right footer playing on the left-hand side and he is very, very, as any winger is going to be at that age, he's very, very good at carrying the ball forward with his board at his feet. He's got lovely feet. He's good at those bits of skill that you sometimes see in tight spaces, which you know it's just an innate talent. It's the ability, it's the five yards effectively to be closed down, shut down, and without even thinking, have the feet and the wherewithal in order to spin your man. He's very, very good at that. He's quick. He's a good passer. He's creative. And he also scores goals. He's somebody who it's hard to see where that weakness really lies. If I were to tell you, Ali, for mm-hmm. example, that he scored six goals this season, five in the league, one in the Papa John's trophy, Four of those six goals have been headers. Mm. He's somebody who, despite being a creative wide player, is very, very good in the air. He often gets into the box at the back post or from set pieces to score. So if you're looking for somebody who long term is going to provide you, you know, you talk about PP machines, he will be that because he's going to play in a position and because of his skill set where he's going to create, he's always going to be a creator. That is his role in the team. But if you couple that with being you know, an effective goal scorer, both with the ball at his feet in that normal left-hand side position, cutting into his right, but also from set pieces, being good in the air and being brave enough to get his head on the ball, there's no limit to what he could do. I'm not sitting here saying he's a buy at 15 million. I think there are too many unknowns. I'd like to see where his next move is going to be. I think if I was going to buy him now, I'd probably want Hull not to get promoted to the championship because I feel like, you know, he turns 20 in February. I feel like there's no way he'll play next season in League One. I think if Hull do go up, it would take a big offer for him to go. And I think for the purpose of that of that buy, you'd want him to be playing higher up the pyramid, possibly even Premier League football fairly soon. We've seen Jared Bowen make the step up from Hull to West Ham. And he's now you know an absolute lock to play on the right-hand side for West Ham every week. If Lewis Potter is available in the summer, it wouldn't surprise me to see him go to a, a lower half Premier League side. And then how quickly does that value move up? I'm not sure. I'd probably like to play then. He's a player that I really like. Um, I'm sad to see there are no scout reports up for him at the moment. So any Hull fans watching, please do do go on and submit one because I'd love to see it because he is a player with so many strings mm-hmm. to his bow. Um, 15 million, not for me now, but he'd he's one I'm watching. He'd be on my watch list to add to us add to the squad at a later date. Do you know what? After I set you the task of watching Keen Lewis Potter, I ended up basically doing my own scouting job on Jacob Greaves, his Hull teammate. Uh, and so this is something of, a, something of a Hull City special uh, <laughs> to finish this week's 5Y5. And it's not for no reason either. Hull are in very good form. Uh, they are towards the top of League One. In fact, the current bookies odds give them a 60% chance of promotion, which is a, a strong position to be in at this stage. But from a scout's perspective, there will be plenty of eyes on them because of the presence of Lewis Potter and Jacob Greaves, a 20-year-old left-footed centre-back, and Lord knows they are getting very fetishised in modern football. Um, They are at the heart of this team. You know, two uh, 
inarguably two starters, two key players for this side. Greaves moving into the side uh, early on in the season has made that centre-back spot his own. So there'll be plenty watching these two. Greaves is the son of a, a former professional, Mark Greaves. I think that's got to be a good thing for having good guidance through his career and uh, when we want players to make the right choices, not make the wrong moves very, very specifically in five yards terms is crucial, not getting stuck somewhere. Um, and and we have got a scout report for Greaves on site. Joe Morgan, who's a, a really good scout on five yards, he calls Greaves a good technical defender, someone who likes to engage attackers as soon as possible and cut attacks out early, composed and shows good intelligence to compensate for a bit of a lack of physicality at times, but is quite athletic and likes to get forward when he can. The key thing here, Greaves at six million on five yards, the key bit, is the potential to play in the top flight. Now, that's what we're after here, isn't it? Any League One mm. player, because as you say, they're not receiving performance pay for what they're doing in that division. It has to be about whether they can get into the championship for smaller returns. And in terms of big returns, it's got to be all about whether they can get into the Premier League. And, and I think that what Joe says has to be exciting. Greaves certainly has that touch of class about him. He certainly needs to strengthen. That's been noticeable in, in performances against some of League One's better strikers, more physical strikers. John Marquis uh, shrugged him off the ball early in the game between Portsmouth and Hull on the weekend. And actually, Greaves ended up winning a free kick from it. But many replays later, it was clear that actually it was a, it was a clever bit of physicality from Marquis and Greaves was probably lucky. Um, it would have gone down as a mistake from him if that goal had gone in. So plenty to, to grow into. But I think... You know, actual physical deficiencies at the age of 20 are probably the ones that worry me the least, I would say, at this at this stage. Because he is tall uh, and I think filling out comes more naturally than, you know, the very the very basics, the innate defensive positioning, the defensive instincts that he clearly has. The composure on the ball is certainly there. He's got decent passing range on his left foot. And as we know, if you're left-footed as a centre-back, you're worth twice as much as a right-footed centre-back. Whether that's right or wrong, that seems to be a fact at the moment. So there'll be plenty of, of, of clubs, Premier League clubs watching him, Championship clubs, of course. If you look at Championship centre-backs on five yards, you've got Nathan Collins at Stoke. He's a year or two younger. He's 19 million uh, on five yards. Harry Souter and Dale Fry, similar age. Uh, they are at 9 million on five yards. So if there's a promotion for Greaves and if he's playing for Hull in the in the championship next year, I could I could easily see a price rise on the horizon. And it's certainly not hard to see a transfer on the horizon for, for Greaves. As we know, Premier League clubs are actually pretty happy to buy centre-backs from the EFL. They seem to quite like a, a young defender who's been battle-hardened, if you will, mm. in EFL football more so than in uh, academy football. I was looking on who scored at um, the centre-backs with the most minutes in the Premier League this year. And I make it 11 out of 20, so over 50% um, of the of the centre-backs who have played the most in the Premier League this year have played significant time or started their careers in the EFL. So getting this first-team exposure at such a young age, at just 20, uh, should be huge for Greaves' development. Uh, and 6 million, of course, that's just quite a nice price for a long-term hold, isn't it? Uh, it's a low price, it, it's, it's a low risk, therefore. Uh, it's hard to imagine Greaves' career... Um, going anywhere other than up, the question is how far. So I think he's definitely worth checking out, along with Lewis Potter. If there are any budding scouts uh, listening who want a little assignment for themselves, then there you go. Go and watch Lewis Potter and Greaves. Let us know what you think. Write your scout reports on five yards. Uh, and this Friday, we've got a transfer window opening. We've got 20 new play players, as always, going on five yards, including uh, Erling Braut Harland's cousin, who is called, I'm not kidding, Albert Braut Charland somehow 
<laughs> there is next to no footage uh, available for this kid online. I think he's 16. So the scouts have their work cut out trying to work out a price for him. I'm going to send you on a scouting mission to him next week, I think. <laughs> um, we've also got Premier League players like John McGinn and John Stones going up. Youngster Cade Gordon of Derby, who's 16-year-old. Rumours that he might be signing for Liverpool. And in EFL terms, Luke Jeffcott is a name that stands out. Joint top scorer, I believe, in League One at the moment. Still only 20, he's just turned 21 actually this week. And someone whose goal return certainly makes him worthy of a, a bit of in-depth scouting. Uh, and for any Leeds fans watching, Pascal Streak, I know he's a popular young player who's got some first team exposure. He'll be up on five yards as well. So we hope you guys will get involved with the Friday transfer window. We hope you'll be involved every day writing scout reports and filling up your scout profile. Um, from from George and I, thank you so much for listening. If you've listened to this as a podcast, for watching on our YouTube channel. And we just ask that you subscribe either to the pod feed or the YouTube channel so you can get this every week fresh out the oven. Thanks for watching. <laughs>